Okay. Yes. Okay, so uh, thank you all for uh, for doing this interview um, with me. Uh, why don't we start by kind of just a quick introduction, you know, who are you, what do you do? Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, my name is Rodova and uh, I recently joined Delft University of Technology as an uh, assistant professor in the uh, Faculty for Technology Policy and Management. Uh, my uh, my role there will be to look at uh, the role of data and algorithms in complex infrastructure and, and public services. Um, I do a lot of work in the energy domain. So I look at, um, I have a background in control systems and systems engineering. So how do you, that's more of a, a purely like engineering discipline where you look at um, the, how do you build like autopilots for for a plane to keep a plane in the air or how do you manage like in real time how do you manage energy grids for instance it's about control um and now i look i look a little bit more broadly at the social technical aspects of um, decision making and the role that uh, data increasingly uh, um, important role that data and, and algorithms play not just in you know engineered systems such as energy grids or, or, or airplanes, but also in how we make decisions about allocating funds to a particular uh, citizens, households, or how do we think about, um, um, yeah, just generally like decision-making processes in, in government organizations, but also beyond in, in more commercial settings. So that's my, I guess that's in a, in a nutshell uh, what I do. And um, yeah, that's uh, it's it's within uh, Delft, the technology policy management uh, department is a place where we look both at the technical um, me mechanisms, and, uh, but also at how, how these uh, technology or technologies are used in organizations. Uh, what kind, how they intersect with policy, how they inform policy, or how inform policy might inform your technical design. Um, and we look at uh, questions of ethics, philosophy, um, political economy. Um, so there's yeah, lots a very interesting place for me to be. And well, you're a student uh, in our department, so you you know more about it than me. I've only been around for a bit, but uh, yeah, that's that's where I uh, where I come from and where I'm at at the moment. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so that kind of fits perfectly with um, with the subject that we're covering for the European Youth Parliament. Uh, well, hence the interview. <laughs> so to, to to start off with, that's kind of like a bit of a general question, I guess. Um, so let's say that I um, I want to enter the job market, uh, or I'm looking for a job in uh, in ten years. Um, by then, AI will have had a uh, will have a much bigger um, impact, I guess, on on the workplace uh, than it has now already. Um, how would artificial intelligence affect me, um, either when I'm looking for a job or uh, generally when I'm, you know, doing my job? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a multifaceted question. Uh, I would let's maybe start with the role that AI is starting to play in uh, in recruitment, and uh, and this is something where I I see lots of uh, ethical issues actually. So. And there are more companies that are offering services in which AI, um, you know, let's say data-driven models are used to um, discern um, candidates based on their CV, 
Uh, there's also technologies that are looking at that are asking you to make a recording of yourself answering particular questions and then you know there's of course uh, text and uh, natural language processing so there's they could analyze what you're saying and if the, those are what kind of arguments you're 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 putting forward or how you're responding to a particular question but there's also technologies that are trying to um infer something about your personality and your energy how you respond and um and uh, i mean I, i'm bringing this up because it's um like i said it's 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 wrought with ethical issues a lot of these kinds of uh, um ai uh, applications that are about um trying to predict social outcomes or trying to predict what kind of personality you are um they are pseudoscience they are not based on like real science but they are they they tend to have particular um abilities to automate and to to give a sense of oh there's this is a performing system it seems to be doing the uh, the task that we're trying to automate here um so i would say there that um that there is an ongoing debate about these kinds of technologies in recruitment and um unfortunately it is um uh, for many organizations it's it can be an interesting tool to maybe make their process recruitment processes more efficient but it's also uh, unfortunately a way to instill new um, historical forms of discrimination that um that that are, that are always around right when you're hiring people there's you you have to discriminate between different people and of course certain forms of discrimination are problematic than, more problematic than others and these technologies are also um, not necessarily taking those away but they can lead to um uh reinforcing them or like resurfacing them if you don't think about properly designing these systems so that's let's say that's one way of answering your question is that a lot of innovation happening but it's it's a lot of it is problematic or we don't really know yet like how trustworthy it is but it has an impact on you as a you know a, a candidate um if you if you if you are um interacting with these systems if if the organizations you would like to work with use them this way so there's one maybe one answer to your question but you also yeah. asked me about um yeah other ways in, in which maybe you can clarify the the yeah you know, the, um, the kind of go go a bit more in depth with with the recruitment side and then uh we'll focus on the on the other side because I mean, as a company, um, well, it, it's an assumption, but I'm going to assume that as a company, you don't want to have a system um, that discriminates in in a bad way. Uh, but still, it it does happen. Um, so, you know, how how can that be? It might be a bit more of a technical question, but it's still you know interesting because you don't want your system to be discriminatory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in recruitment, it's quite obvious that you have to, at some point, discriminate to figure you have a particular job say a job profile and you're looking for particular skills um and you, in the end you will have to weigh different candidate candidates against each other and you will have to form an argument for choosing one over the other um and we know like we know that it's still in many and this let's take the dutch context but in in, in the dutch context we know that people for instance people with a, a non-Western background or an ethnicity or partial ethnicity um, still have a harder time 
to land jobs if they uh, you know if they have similar kind of um, uh, skill sets or experience levels um, as compared to let's say people from a Western background. And so this th this is still a, a cultural issue in our society uh, that kind of solidifies in terms of this like problematic discrimination in the way that we uh, recruit in that organizations recruit people and uh, AI systems you know data driven models uh, historically or, or when they came up I mean they they come up because of certain technical advances but also they're also pushed through a lot of marketing and a lot of promise and what we see with with um, the marketing um, rhetoric and uh, yeah sort of sometimes the propaganda around these systems is that a lot that they overpromise right so and one of the one of the promises that were made earlier on that we've now that we now understand was was wrong is that these systems are objective or that they are a good way of dealing with the um, uh, the biases that we hold as, as human beings that might be problematic. And over the last, let's say, five years, there's been increasing attention on how these biases that we have do creep into the systems that we're building. So in, this, in the case of the recruitment system, you might be uh, selecting a whole range of successful candidates or people that have gone on to be successful in your organization or in various organizations that are similar to you. Um, and there are all kinds of patterns, of course, uh, in these successful, and I'd say quote unquote, successful resumes that, of course, have had privilege because they these people had uh, particular traits or that, let's say, there's at least um, statistically speaking, um, there is privilege for people from particular with particular traits over others because of the cultural issue of, of bias and and, and, uh, and discrimination. And this, even though that might, when you build these systems and you, you build these data sets, might not be obvious or might not be easy to, to catch, it, the, the, the systems have become, uh, the AI models have become more and more complex. So they are able to um, figure out that, you know, in, even if you if you don't include variables such as what, what is your background so that you could actually account for it and say hey you don't discriminate on this variable uh even if you take out those variables or or whether you include them there will always be other ways in which um these uh these ai models can pick up on on that kind of bias and they will uh, bake it into uh, in the way that it then discriminates it makes predictions or decisions about uh, new resumes that it will uh, be be used to, uh, um, uh, yeah, to to analyze. Yeah. Okay. So that's. I mean, it's basically that. If I understand correctly, then uh, if you even if you don't want them to discriminate, like they're gonna do it themselves because of, like the cultural context that they're they're made in. So it's. Um, yeah, that's a, a quite a technical becomes a, quite a technical discussion. Um, but if you are trying to, um, you know, bias creeps into design of technology in various ways. And if we're looking at AI systems that you know have some kind of uh, mathematical model uh, with lots of parameters that are um, 
trained uh, you're determining the parameters based on um let's say a, a training set so in the case of recruitment systems there's let's say there's a whole um data set of resume like successful quote unquote successful uh resumes and and the system then is is going to learn like what are particular uh, aspects of this um data set with successful resumes and it's going to try to find these high dimensional patterns yeah, that are often, if, especially if you have very complex models, like a deep learning model, neural networks with many, many layers, many, many parameters. Uh, it will be able to pick up on particular patterns that are um, um, inherently have to have to do like that uh, have to do with the, the historical biases that were in the practice of recruiting people uh, before you started using the system. And the way that works, I mean, the, so one way is through the data set itself, but it's also like if you decide to train your system and you say, hey, look, uh, uh, try to look for resumes that are similar to that data set, then it's not just a data set, but it's also like what is the objective of your training or the, the way that the, the different knobs that you can turn and the different ways of uh, the different variables that you choose to include for versus excluding your in your model there's many many different design des, uh, decisions um and altogether th there is just it's it's a very let's say a very leaky um system it's just very likely that even though you're, you're doing your best there's still ways for the system to pick up on something that that you might not want to pick up on because it's again discriminatory in a problematic way because it re replicates and reinforces historical biases so yeah now that being said maybe uh, you know, the, uh, the good thing about this trend is that we now are starting to talk about these biases more right and they're becoming the, uh, so the the responses to this are let's look at the data sets and let's try to understand where it might come from in terms of the data we see a little bit more work now looking okay what are the different other design choices that we're making where things can go wrong and because of that we are basically faced with these also the cultural biases that we have um, and as a result maybe ai systems have a role to play but it's it's increasingly clear that they cannot just um, take over the work of you know in this case of uh, recruiting people because i think most people understand that in the end, if, before you really pick someone for a job, um, you want to talk with them, you want to get a sense, you want to feel like, hey, is this the right person to work with me, with with my team, uh, towards the mission that we uh, that we were that we're working towards. Um, so you know, like recruitment systems are also they can also be a way of making things more efficient. So instead of me having to go through all these resumes or having to disappoint all these people, let's say, okay, well, we, we build a really great model and, uh, you know, it makes, makes things easier for us. And I think uh, because we now know more about how these systems can, can also, yeah, take over uh, biases, we have to think a little bit more carefully before we kind of hand over responsibility to uh, a machine because in the end it's still you know it's still our responsibility as an organization or as a um yeah to make sure that we treat people um in a in a, in a just way
yeah basically you know giving everyone equal opportunities i mean one of the one of the biggest um uh, goals i guess of the european union as well uh but yeah. i mean the investments in ai and like the the application of ai it's been like increasing so so much uh, I mean, like you said, you, you said it in, in your lecture as well, that you're a very big proponent of basically saying, uh, okay, hold on, like, don't stop, <laughs> stop being so quick. Uh, and let's think about this. But I mean, given, you know, it's a, it's a free market um, and all that, is there any way to stop it? So say you're, you're a European or a Dutch government, is it, is it um, a good idea to, to like do that basically in a, in a binding ma manner? Knows that the government says, okay, you have to stop. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, seeing, applications. we're seeing examples of this, right? So, uh, one concrete example is the tech de the development of facial recogni recognition technologies that, um, you know, they can do different things. You can use these for different things. You can say, okay, can I check whether someone who a particular person is that I'm seeing? Or, uh, but then there's also these other functionalities i discussed earlier about like trying to infer personality traits or emotions from like facial expressions so something called affect recognition so there's like a whole suite of technologies around faces and but also more broadly about like just images of people even there and, and videos of people so you can start looking at the gates like how people walk and you could recognize things um and so this technology is, is developed and it's like readily uh, available through different um, um, online platform uh, APIs, like application programming interfaces. Uh, there are like large tech companies uh, that have developed these kinds of uh, technologies, functionalities, and, and, and other smaller companies as well. And there are in the US, where I, I worked in the US for seven years, so I'm having like looked a lot at what happened there in terms of legislation and, and like policy response. And there have been, in the US, there's been, uh, there have been various uh, municipalities, cities that have banned facial recognition technologies or put a moratorium on it. And um, I mean, there's various concerns around it. So I, earlier on, I mentioned that, um, you know, determining whether a picture of me is like is is ruled over uh, is like we can talk about it later. But like the the additional layers of effect recognition of what like determining whether someone is sad or 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 happy or whatever is um, like I said is pseudo scientific and there's lots of um, scientific research that shows that um, that 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 is problematic and. Um, so that's one one reason that there's not no solid scientific basis for the kinds of um, uh, inferences that are being made. And more important is, of course, like why are these inferences being made? To what purpose? And of course, there is uh, with these kinds of systems. There is so that's the second point is there's function creep. So once this kind of technology is available and it, ha it lands in the hands of someone, we either doesn't really understand the implications or actually has bad intentions with it, it can really, um, you know, become a problem if you start to use it to say is some does what's someone's sexual orientation, for instance, and it could it could really become an, like a horrible tool. Um, or is like what someone's ethnic, ethnic background to infer that kind of information based on pictures is 
um, yeah, in the in the wrong hands that could really be like become uh, you know a, a tool for fascists, for instance, to really um, hurt people and to categorize people in in ways that as uh, that we all you know that would obviously violate human human rights and all kinds of other um, norms that we've built over the last century and 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 then the third problem is is more about the intense need for data and, and combining different kinds of data sources to build these kinds of technologies um and that just like just the the goal to or the the plan to uh, to to build a, a system means that we are basically making huge demands and and basically uh harming people's privacy just by virtue of like bringing together all kinds of data sources um, and we're creating again like data sets that are then in terms of function creep can also be used for other purposes that we don't really know about but that could i mean they they centralize a lot of power in the hands of those who, who have access to these data sets and we all know that these data sets are being you know commercially uh, are being already being sold and and we've seen examples, uh, interesting example in the Dutch context, where different ministries and, and government bodies started to combine their data to create richer profiles of households, um, and then to uh, determine uh, kind of risk profiles per households to, for instance, say what is the the risk or what's the probability that a particular household might uh, commit fraud when it comes to their benefits. Um, or like you know make like um make mistakes in their uh or like uh, miscalculate their their taxes their taxes for their their benefit um and last year's roughly a year ago the dutch court uh, basically told the government to stop to totally stop this development so that's another example of um in this case the legal branch that um, was asked to um, to look at this technology and its implications um, based on a strate strategic litigation procedure. So it was a a, 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 a coalition or yeah, a coalition of different um, NGOs. Uh, there were a few well-known Dutch, like two writers and other people that cared about this, uh, like these. Um, the potential harms and the, the the problematic nature of this technology, this um, this um, risk profile, um, the development of these risk profiles. It's a system called System Risk Indication (SIRI) in, in short, S Y R I. And the, uh, there's even like I think there's plenty of English uh, articles about it in the Guardian and other uh, news venues um, that have reported on this for those who are interested. But it's yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very important precedent where um, you know you see that the technology is going so quickly and and also there's a lot of incentives for governments to build things that are hopefully they serve society, but like they if I look at it from a distance, I see that it mostly is helping you know institutions to central or to 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 increase their power, to increase their ability to to observe but uh, what the, what the what the court said was that the way that the, the actual ai system so the model that was used uh, was built the way it was built was illegitimate so the kinds of inputs for the model the kinds of variables that you're using 
to then um, say, oh, let's predict whether someone's going to commit fraud. And those variables that were going into the model to make that kind of prediction were judged to be like not illegitimate reasons or ir illegitimate variables for doing that, that kind of discrimination. I mean, you're just trying to discriminate, like who's going to potentially commit fraud? Like where should I uh, prioritize my resources as let's say the tax uh, um, services to, to control or to double check people whether they're doing things correctly. And we've had, and this will make also interesting for your uh, fellow young Europeans, like in the, the Dutch government fell, the cabinet fell uh, recently around, um, uh, which was called the benefits affair. It was about um, child childcare um, benefit, child daycare benefits. Um, and we know that it wasn't just like an AI system that was, uh, you know, making the wrong decisions and uh, causing uh, major discrimination, but there was also like a broader um, insight after parliamentary uh, research into that, that the rule of law was basically um, <clears throat> that there was there was no rule of law for a lot of families. A lot of families ended up being wrongfully accused of fraud with around these benefits because they made minor mistakes in the way that uh, yeah in the system that they used to you know apply for these uh, benefits and to receive them. Uh, and thousands of families were, yeah, were wrongfully accused, had to pay back all their benefits, had to, didn't have any um, like legal protection. Uh, they had to sell their houses, sell their cars. They were like stopped on the highway, had to step out of their cars. Like these are just some horrible stories. And, um, you know, the actual AI system was just, a piece of like a broader system that has kind of gone off the tracks where uh, I think where digi digitalization and the fact that governments have increasingly more information plays an important role. And, and this is where on, on the one hand, we can make lots of government processes more efficient. We can ma also make the experience of citizens the, uh, uh, more convenient and make it easier to interact with the government, potentially uh, reduce bureaucracy. But in this case, we also saw that it has really increased the power of the um, government. And we haven't really thought about counter power, right? Like if you give more power uh, to an institution, you have to make sure that there's good supervision, that there's also limits to power. Um, and that when things go wrong, that like citizens or, or you know, any you know, group of um, people, organizations can, can test or can dissent so, so that also the government has to listen to them and 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 um, can learn and like improve how they how they are developing these kinds of systems. So uh, just to say that, yeah, it's um, when we think about banning, just to come back to your question, when we think about banning these kinds of technologies uh, through legal ways, we see that there are parliamentary bodies that are doing this. Like examples are, for instance, the city of Oakland, city of Seattle in the US, and there's many more there, um, but there's also ways in which, uh, in this case, the government itself has been brought to court and has been, and the legal branch had to step in and say, "You're going too far." And so we're like in the middle of this, and it's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of energy around, you know, regulation for AI, different kinds of AI systems and applications. 
So it's an exciting time. Yeah. But also a very yeah, a very important and very serious uh set, set of problems like yeah, implications or side effects of technology that a lot of I think mo most of us had hoped that would would not exist, but they they do emerge, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, very very exciting time, but also yeah, as you said, like potentially scary if if there's no regulation. Um, if I mean, if uh, like, like it is the European Youth Parliament, so obviously I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna think you know, European regulation uh, could be an option, especially you know since since the Dutch government. Um, I mean, yeah, no one's gonna regulate the Dutch government, um, so maybe the European government um that could be an option uh but that's not for for me to decide well i think it's yeah it's i'm also not necessarily an expert on you know policy making uh neither at the national level or the european level but i do follow it like because i'm you know i i i do want to understand how we can work together across like from technical sciences to policy making to social sciences um and I think like one one thing that's kind of sinking in is that yeah, AI is not just like a solution to to all your like complex societal problems, but it definitely has a lot of interesting um, things to offer. Uh, but you have to really every time you you yeah you are applying uh, or you're uh, introducing a new technology into a new domain, you have to again think about what how will it behave like how will people use this technology what you know what 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 is really the purpose what's the goal of the technology and what, what are the risks that we're introducing um and as such because it's i think it's there's a strong nature like a strong sense of like context dependency uh, but then there's also like a more broader discussion about what are the infrastructures that we're building right these the cloud infrastructures the APIs, the, the the large companies that are uh, developing many of these uh, technologies and offering them, uh, and how do we not just regulate particular instances of AI systems that seem to have an issue, but also like how do we um, make sure that we're creating a vibrant digital infrastructure, computational infrastructure that serves European citizens, and that also um, creates you know, new opportunities for uh, for European businesses that we don't fully depend on uh, mostly US companies for this kind of technology. And most importantly, that we have sufficient democratic supervision and control, not just over the technology and the infrastructure when it's already there, but also how, how, we, how, we, how we want to develop it uh, over time. Um, so that's, I think, and we need young people who uh, who care about democracy. I mean, we see, of course, we haven't really talked about social media and about misinformation, and that that's one particular example of a digital and also computational infrastructure, because there's lots of computations that determine what recommendations, what news you see, right, when you go on, on onto Facebook or something similar. Um, and, and, uh, and there's mis misinformation happening, but there's also just lots of political and normative um, <clears throat> dimensions to that kind of technology. That and it and these technologies are so um, it's become so essential to our daily lives, to the way that we organize ourselves, that we communicate, that we uh, um, collect information about, also about like 
what's important for us for our uh, in politics what 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 parties we should we, we should vote for etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah there i think i i expect there will be a lot of work coming out or happening currently in, in brussels but and, and happening over the next years to say okay well how do we <clears throat> start interpreting this as a public infrastructure and what's the role of different companies and and and, and how do we uh, start to uh, create more democratic control and, and make sure that that these digital spaces are uh, are safe and and do serve citizens and to serve democracy right that, that they don't undermine democracy as we've seen recently i mean the the u.s capital uh um the events at the u.s capital are a good example of where the the digital world started to kind of um what's happening there in terms of misinformation and lies and um people um <clears throat> uh, bending together uh in in around very anti-democratic ideals actually entering the streets and, and entering the parliamentary buildings like the the sacred um spaces of, of u.s democracy so yeah so it's still a, a lot of work work to be done um so to speak yeah yeah so i think just to say that there's i think there's that's maybe the most obvious example of a you know of a technological infrastructure in which ai plays a, like an important role it's not just all about ai but um you know when someone like mark zuckerberg says well you know we will solve all the problems around misinformation with artificial intelligence really i would say impossible like we need the instruments of democracy we need you know deliberation we need like building different kinds of expertise that is like you know technocratic and independent and it can guard and supervise um you know the way that these systems work and that they work and then we need to build new norms and standards um and that also means in this case that these companies have to open up their system they have to show us how they do it and we have to see as as europe europeans for instance but it's already happening at national levels germany is working on new laws friends and i think they're all trying to anticipate the european legislation but anyways we, these companies will have to open up their systems and um i think maybe we'll see new forms of platforms but one way or another i think we need to have more control over how these systems work to make sure that they um yeah that our democracy is is protected and that we also um prevent you know hate speech and other you know the like hate the incitation of hate which we've seen for instance in myanmar a couple of years ago um in this case we're talking about europe and, and uh but yeah th these are very controversial and political topics obviously um and eventually like yeah ai systems do play a role but it they, yeah it's only a piece of the puzzle yeah i think that that um that's a very good note to end on um you know because well, ai will have you know very big impact on on how we organize our democracies um but no one really does have one answer um 
so it's very important to, to discuss with uh, well you know at the european youth parliament session with young people they discuss uh, they find out their, their um opinions on the matter because um yeah there's no one answer i think um but it is important to think about so um i want to thank you very much for for doing this um i think it was very educational um and um I think that you know everyone who who listens to the interview will will have a very broad, much broader understanding uh, about AI and how how AI works. Really, uh, that is not just this this super objective uh, supercomputer, but that it is built by humans and um, biases do seep through the um, the code, so to speak. So thank you very much. <laughs>